Hey, hey, friends, welcome back to the Bible's Babies and Business podcast. This is a special episode today because today is Good Friday. We usually have our episodes come out on Mondays and Thursdays, but I intentionally delayed this episode by one day so that it could release on Good Friday because this is a Good Friday slash Passover slash Easter message for you. Today, we're going to go through the scriptures in the book of John where Jesus was crucified and he then rose from the dead and appeared to Mary. And we're going to glean the principle of this as a special reminder for online coaches and Christian entrepreneurs just to have remember this specific principle that we're going to go through today during this Good Friday, Passover, and Easter weekend. Now, I do want to mention some of the scripture that we're reading today, although biblical, Maybe a little intense based upon if you have any little ears around listening to this. So I'll do one more disclaimer before we get into the scripture today. But if you have any little ears around that might get scared um, hearing about Jesus's crucifixion, this might be a good time to hit pause, choose a different episode. But if it is just you and me here listening together, then without further ado, we'll get to the show. Hey coach, welcome to the Bible's Babies and Business Podcast. Are you ready to get more consistent, high ticket clients in your online coaching business without having to go through exhausting flopped launches? Are you constantly searching for podcast episodes, looking for that key to unlocking $10,000 months in your business? Do you have big dreams of becoming debt free, going on more family vacations and staying home with your kids? But right now your business isn't even breaking $2,000 a month. Hey there, I'm Cami. I'm a Christian, a wife, and a soon-to-be mom. A few years ago, before I was known for being a high-ticket sales expert for online coaches, and before I founded my program, High Ticket Powerhouse, which offers some of the best marketing and sales strategy in the coaching industry, I was just your average online coach struggling to get by. I didn't know how to get clients, make consistent money online, or get out of the painful cycle of living paycheck to paycheck and drowning in debt. And to make matters worse, my husband and I were struggling through years of infertility and needed tens of thousands of dollars to grow our family. Oh, and on top of that, student loans and credit card debt. Needless to say, financially, we were a sinking ship. My business needed to make money. My family depended on it. That's when I discovered the art of how to close high ticket sales. And the best part, You don't need thousands of Instagram followers or ever have to struggle through another duct taped Instagram launch ever again. In this podcast, you'll find practical sales strategies to use in your own coaching business, biblical principles for the Christian entrepreneur, and a healthy dose of tough love. Because one thing you need to know about me, I don't sugarcoat it. My ultimate goal is to turn you into an absolute powerhouse at selling your high ticket coaching online so you can be a blessing to your family, a blessing to your clients, and create life-changing impact for the kingdom of heaven. So grab your Bible, your laptop, and let's get to work because you were made for this. All right, friends. So we are going to be going into our anchor scripture here in a moment. We're going to be reading from John 
chapter 19, verses 1 through John chapter 20, verse 18. So there is a good chunk of scripture getting read today, and we're going to read through the crucifixion of Jesus in order to try and wrap our minds around what Christ really did for us. I know that we go through this every year during Easter time, but I think it is such a beautiful reminder, not only this time of year, but but a daily reminder on what Christ did for us by coming to earth, living the perfect life that we couldn't, and then dying the death that was meant for us so that we could be saved. So go ahead and grab your Bibles, open up the book of John. We're in the Gospels, chapter 19. And as just one more quick reminder, if there's any little ears listening that you specifically don't want them to hear about Jesus's crucifixion or the details of the crucifixion, now would be a really good time to pause this episode. I'm going to give you a couple more seconds by just filling this with some verbiage here so that you can grab your phone, hit the pause button. Um, But I am really going to be reading uh, exactly from the book of John, what they did, not only to Jesus, but also to the two men who were crucified next to him. And it is very, very intense. So just one more little disclaimer, if you have any little ears around, now might be a good time to go ahead and pause. All right, here we go. Chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate asked, said, look, here's the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, If you release, turning my page here, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went to the place called Place of the Skull. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many people could read it. Then the leading priest objected and said to Pilate, change it from the king of the Jews to, he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate replied, no, I, what I have written, I have written. 
Then when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus's mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Colopsis, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. It was the day of preparation and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath and a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you may continue to believe. These things happened in fulfillment of the scriptures that say not one of his bones will be broken and they will look on the one they pierced. This is now in verse 38. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea who had, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus's body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made of myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus's body with the spices and long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since this tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. I just want to pause here for a quick moment before we go on to chapter 20. And yes, I know that there's more reading here today than we usually do inside of a Bible study breakdown episode. But this is a really specific episode that I think there's no way I could do this passage justice just by trying to paraphrase it. Um, The word of God is, is better than anything that I could possibly paraphrase. So I really wanted to read it to you today. But regarding the long cloth that they wrapped Jesus in, I watched a really interesting, fascinating documentary. It's on YouTube. It's called Mystery of the Sacred Shroud, I believe is what it's called. And there is speculation that that long linen cloth that Jesus was wrapped in was actually discovered. And so you can watch the documentary on YouTube again. It's called Mystery of the Sacred Shroud. And it's the discovery and the research of was this actually the linen cloth that Jesus was wrapped in? It's absolutely fascinating. All right, we're going to continue on to chapter 20, and then we're going to break this scripture down. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. 
She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. I just think it's so interesting. I'm just going to pause here for a moment. I think it's so interesting how many times in the gospel, like when they are talking about peering into the tomb and looking at the tomb where Jesus was laying, they always mention the long linen cloth. And again, just so interesting how now there's a documentary wondering about if if people actually found the cloth and doing research on it and experiments on it to see, was this actually the cloth that Jesus was laid in? It was almost like, like maybe God knew. <laughs> well, what do you mean maybe? It's almost like God planted that in the disciples to write in the gospels so that we could all circle back to it later, <laughs> centuries later when the cloth was found. So anyway, just a little fun side note there. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus's head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said, she turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the father, but go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. It is hard for me to wrap my mind around not only just that moment between Jesus and Mary Magdalene, like I, I can't imagine what Mary had felt in that moment, right? When she thought that the man standing in front of her was the gardener and then realizing that this was Jesus standing in front of her, the same Jesus that, that had been dead just the day before. I can't, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that. And it's also hard for me to wrap my mind around the way that Jesus died, like the physical and emotional and spiritual pain that he felt. And and I'm a person that I am very, um, very severely afraid of pain, like up until the age of like, oh, I don't know, I want to say like maybe like eight years old. If I ever had to get a shot at the doctor or, or anything of the sort, if they had to take blood, it took so many nurses to hold me down because I just freaked out. Like I have never... I've always been very, very afraid of pain. And so it's very hard for me to just wrap my head around the way that Jesus died because it it obviously involved a lot of pain. And like I said, not just physical pain, although yes, but emotional pain, spiritual pain. And I think about, you know, why did 
Jesus go through that pain? Like, why was he willing to go through that pain? And of course, yes, you know, he died for our sins. He sacrificed himself so that we might spend eternity with him by accepting him uh, as Jesus, the son of God. And his death and resurrection fulfilled the scriptures and pay the price for the sin that, that, that we that in the past humans committed, in the present and future sins as well. And I wanted to get a little step further. I want you to think for a moment, you know, if you're in a safe place, you can even close your eyes and think about that Jesus sacrificed himself for you. Now, you've probably, if you've been in the faith for a number of years, you've probably heard that countless times that like Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. And I think that it's easy for us to lose the weight of what that really means when we hear it so often in the church that Jesus died for me. But really think about that for a moment. On the cross, as he was experiencing pain unimaginable to my human understanding and comprehension, while he was hanging on the cross, he was thinking about you. He was thinking about Cammie. He was thinking about fill in the blank, whatever your name is. He was thinking about you. And he saw you as so valuable and so worthy that he was willing to go through excruciating physical, emotional, and spiritual pain for you. And that's a love that is so not seen on this planet. And I believe that that's why it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around that somebody would be willing to do that for me because it it is beyond a human love. Yes, Jesus was human, uh, but I mean, his love for us is perfect and, and we only experience perfect love through the Father. And so it's hard for me to just wrap my mind around that, that someone who would go through that level of pain for me and be thinking about me in their last moments. And he did it so that you and I could have no separation between us and God, so that we could come directly to him and spend eternity in heaven with him. Like when Jesus said, it is finished, um, I believe it was in the temple, the, the cloth ripped where it was supposed to separate where God's spirit was and where the people were. And that ripped, indicating that no longer do people have to um, rely on somebody else in order to go to the Father. We can go to the Father ourselves. And so it's just, it's so amazing. And it's also interesting and and just, just amazing that he went through crucifixion so that we could, yes, have eternity with him. And he also went through crucifixion so that we could have a fulfilling and purposeful life here on earth. And I firmly believe that we are all given a mission and assignment. Like Jesus was sent here to this earth on mission. If you go back to the scriptures that I just read, uh, I believe it, it said maybe, I don't remember the exact phrase or language, but it said that Jesus knew his mission was complete. And just like Jesus had a mission here on earth, I believe that we are all given a mission as well. And honestly, we're given many missions. Like, you know, if you're listening here to this, there's a good chance that you feel this tug on your heart that one of your missions or your assignments here on this earth involves building a coaching business. Now, I know that we also face obstacles. And I know that because I have faced countless obstacles. A couple of weeks ago, someone asked me the question, 
what was the hardest season of your business? That was a, a huge example of an obstacle that I faced in my business. We all face obstacles, right? When, when it comes to fulfilling the missions that the Lord gives us, um, because A, we live in a fallen world. B, we are humans that are not perfect. And um, C, we have an enemy that's sole purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so, yes, we face obstacles when it comes to fulfilling the mission that we were put here on earth. And as I reflect on the death of Jesus and what he did for me, suddenly the obstacles that I face when it comes to completing my mission seem so small in comparison to what Jesus faced. And that's not to minimize or say that, oh, we don't have any problems here. Like, I believe that that Jesus would validate the, the obstacles that, that we face, that, that he knows exactly what obstacles we face. And he's not trying to make us feel small or make us feel like our obstacles aren't anything in comparison. Like that's not his point. But as I just reflect on Jesus and what he did, it's impossible for me to not take into perspective a little bit that the obstacles that I face on a daily basis are nothing like what Jesus faced when he was on the cross. Because he went through crucifixion, death, and resurrection Because he went through all of those things, I want to honor his sacrifice by fulfilling my mission here on earth. And as I said earlier, I believe that we have more than one mission here on earth. I believe our ultimate mission is to love and devote ourselves to the Lord and to to know and have deep relationship with the Father. I believe that we also have other mission. If you are a married woman, that you have a mission to love and honor your, your husband. And if you're a mother, you have a mission to nurture your children. And we all as believers have a mission to spread the gospel. And when it comes to spreading the gospel, I think back to Mark 16, where it says that I'm sending you out into all the earth. And I think about, you know, one of the ways that I know that I'm called to spread the gospel is through my business. Like my business is my ministry. In Mark 16, 15, I'll just read the scripture for you here. All right, here it is. And this is Jesus talking. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Well, think about that. How else is God going to send us into all the world, if not by sending us into maybe all industries and all corners of the world and all niches and in, like I said, industries, like maybe if, if, if you are somebody that feels called to be a plumber, you're supposed to bring the gospel to the plumbing industry. And if you're somebody who is a, a pastor, you know, you're supposed to bring the gospel to the church. And, and as a coach, because I'm led to be a coach, I'm, I'm called to bring the gospel, yes, to my husband, yes, to my children and to my clients and everybody that I get to experience and, and um, have connection with through my business. Like my business is my ministry. And because of the sacrifice, the massive sacrifice that Jesus made, I because I love him and want to honor him, I want to fulfill this mission. And if you're here listening to this and the Lord has called you to build a coaching business, I want you to know that that is part of your ministry. The people that you come into contact with, the transformations that you help to facilitate, the lives that you help to transform in your clients, that is all part of your ministry. I mean, how else is God going to send us out into all the world if we do not fulfill the missions for which we were sent here for. 
And, you know, it's interesting. The thing about the coaching space is it's really hard to fulfill your mission and, and touch all the lives that you're supposed to 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 touch and help and, and help to transform if you do not know how to get clients. Because here's the thing, transformations happen on the other side of the sale. Meaning in order for you to help somebody get a transformation, that means that they have to first become a client, which means they have to first have a, there has to be a sale, there has to be an exchange there, like in an agreement that, hey, I'm going to pay you in an exchange for this finance is you're going to help me with your coaching services. And, and that's where I think that the coaching space, I really believe that that's where the Lord has sent me out is by you learning how to master sales, you are able to better fulfill your mission of your coaching business. Because like I said, transformations that you were called to help facilitate happen on the other side of the sale. If you're not making sales friends, guess what? Transformations aren't happening. And so as part of my mission and what I believe the Lord has put on my heart is to release a free training next week on Monday, April 10th. It's called the Get More Clients Code. This is a free video training teaching you my exact strategy on how to get more high paying coaching clients without needing a large Instagram following and without having to pay for ads so that you can go out and bring your ministry to the world so that you can bless others through the gifts that God has given you, so that you can bless your family financially and get out of debt, so that you can complete your mission that God has given you to build an online coaching business. So friend, I pray that you have an amazing, peaceful, restful Easter, Good Friday and Passover weekend. And I'll see you back here on Monday where I will be releasing my free video training, the Get More Clients Code. See you then. Hey coach, thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you got exactly what you needed to hear, even if it stung a little. Every week, I am committed to showing up here on the show and bringing you not one, but two value-packed episodes to help you grow deeper in your faith, build a profitable coaching business, and become an absolute powerhouse at getting high-ticket coaching clients online. And the number one way that you can support the Bible's Babies and Business podcast is by taking 30 seconds to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and then share this show with a friend. Thank you for partnering with me to get these episodes out to as many online coaches as possible because the world needs more powerhouse women building online coaching businesses for the kingdom of heaven. I appreciate you. I love you. And I'll see you in the next episode.